Hello, and welcome to Still No Plan. I'm Jordan Granger. And I'm Autumn Webb, and we are so happy you're here. Okay, I think that was, like, perfect. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Um, Oh, God. How are you doing? Uh, That's how I'm doing lately. It's okay, though. We'll do a whole episode on on that (laughs) different time. But today I'm better than other days, so it's okay. That's good. On the upswing. It's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Slow progress yeah. upward. Mm-hmm. Slow um, pole climb. <laughs> um, cool. Well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Glad you're feeling that way. I'm trying to think. Um, do you have a treat of the week? Yes. My treat of the week was... Uh, Sean and I took Buddy to Kate Sessions, and that was his first time going to Kate Sessions. And for those of you who aren't in San Diego, it's this park that like overlooks all of San Diego, and it's really pretty. A lot of people bring their dogs, and we went there on Sunday afternoon and hung out for a while. And he had so much fun, and it was very cute and wholesome. And another treat of the week that I've been really loving lately is my dance classes. So those have been really, really, really fun too. Those are my treats. What are yours? Those are good ones. Um, I actually so fun. Rana was having a like Instagram stories sale, and I was clicking through, and she was selling a guitar, and so I was like, "I'm gonna buy this" because I used to play guitar when I was like younger, younger. And when I stopped, I didn't know that. Yeah, my dad, because my dad was in a band and he played guitar, and then he like taught me and my sister how to play. But then I was like an angry teenager and didn't want to keep playing, mm-hmm. and so I stopped. Um, and I saw Rana was selling it and I was like, oh, that's like a pretty good deal for me to like get a guitar to like fuck around and try, you know? It's like, it's it was like pretty cheap. So I was like, it's, even if I play once and like don't ever do it again, like that's worth it. So I bought her guitar. So I'm super excited. I'm going to try and relearn how to play guitar. Um, so yeah, it's a fun treat. That's so exciting. And it's also fun to have like a hobby that's not physical. Mm -hmm. A hobby that's just, like, more creative and, like, you can – you don't have to feel like – it's something you can do when you're not in the mood for a workout, but it's still a fun hobby. Yeah. I'm thinking about taking up crochet. So (gasps) I'm also thinking about having a little hand hobby. (laughs) I love that. Well, and the other thing that's so nice about it is, like, it's very low commitment. Like, fill in your time. You can do it for, like, five or ten minutes here and there instead of, like – you know, horseback riding is like, I literally, it takes two hours on my day because I have to drive there and it's 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then like do the whole thing and come back. And so it takes like two or two and a half hours out of my day or like, you know, rec soccer, like all of those things just take so much. I have to schedule around them. I can't just like fill my time. Um, So I'm excited to have something that I can like just when I'm kind of feeling bored and I'm like, you know, normally I'd like fill this time with a show or something that would just make me feel sluggish and I would binge and just like be unhappy with, I can instead Mm -hmm. be like, why don't I like try and learn a new song or whatever. So I'm super excited with that. Uh, And I really hope you start crocheting. Um, Crocheting is so cute and you can make me things, which would be most, most important. Yeah. I didn't realize like all the things you can make, you can make little stuffed animals, which I think would be cute, but I could also make like clothes and that'd be fun too. Yeah. And it's more sustainable and it'd be a, it's a cool hobby because you could literally, you could watch it while you're binging a show, but like a casual low maintenance show, you Mm -hmm. know? So I'm like, that's fun if I'm like, and I think it's good because 
even though San Diego doesn't really have like seasons. So I, I like to say winter is approaching, even though it's basically just like cold season, which cold season is also not very cold here. But the time frame that I don't want to do anything and I'm not in a social mood and I really mm-hmm. kind of am more like staying in is it's going to be coming up. And so I think it'd be good to have a little hobby that I do indoors so that I don't have to feel like, oh, I'm so bored on this Friday night not doing anything. I can just be like, crocheting my room one roommate started knitting so i was like this looks kind of fun and i love that for you so i want to do something too cute i love that go hobbies Mm -hmm. this is the year of the hobbies and we are fucking doing it um Mm -hmm. do you have a resource from this week i have one if you have to think about it i have a fun one and a self-help one so the fun one i sean and i have been watching game of thrones new series (gasps) Don't and give it away, kind of. I need to start. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it away. <laughs> Just but it's spoil good. everything and on here. <laughs> yeah, it's. You know how like when they bring back shows, sometimes it's like hit or miss. Like Gossip Girl, in my opinion, fucking sucked. The reboot, miss. Flop. But this is very good. I mean, also they're spending like fifty million dollars an episode, something heinous like that. So like it better be good. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really good, and I'm really liking it so far. It's only been two episodes, and it's fun because. I haven't watched a show where you have to like wait every week to watch it. So this is like a fun little Sunday thing. Like we get excited to watch on Sunday. So I'd really been loving that. And then like a self-help resource that I might've talked about before a while ago, which I kind of like stopped listening to it, uh, is Becoming Supernatural by Joe Mm. Dispenza, which is basically just like a book and he walks you through a bunch of his different meditations. And um, since I've been going through a little funk, I've been trying to meditate and get in touch with that. And it's funny. I didn't tell my dad I'm listening to this, but my dad texted me on Sunday morning, this voice memo. And he was like, he first he sent a selfie of him sitting meditating. And then he sent a voice memo and he said, hello, I have a new Sunday routine. And basically my plan is to do nothing. All I have to do is meditate on Sundays. <laughs> and he's like, I just pulled up a Joe Dispenza meditation and I sat for three hours and I opened my eyes and everything is pulsating. I feel like I'm tripping, but I feel so in love with life and everything. And I'm so grateful for you. And I hope you have a really good Sunday. <laughs> and his voice was all zenned out like that. And I was like, that is so funny. I'm listening to Joe Dispenza too. And um, <laughs> so my dad likes it. I like it. And even if you don't want to buy the book or read the book, you could literally just type in like Joe Dispenza meditations. And I think that they are really helpful and fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard really cool things about him. He was actually on the Goop podcast and it was really, really good. It was like one of my favorite podcast mm-hmm. episodes ever. I like still remember it. I literally don't listen to the Goop podcast. That was just the only one I've listened to. And it was so good. Um, so that's a good one. My resource is the Huberman Labs Alcohol's Impact on Your Brain and Body episode that just came out. I think it's very good. I think it's going to change. I think it's going to like pretty drastically impact the way that people think about alcohol at scale because he has so many <laughs> followers. And like, I think it's just going to start a whole wave of conversation, um, which is cool. And obviously, I love the way that he shares information. He's so interesting and fascinating to listen to. It's super approachable. It's very non-judgmental. Like, here's the facts. Here's how alcohol impacts you. Take it what like take it as you will. Leave what you don't want. Um, so I think 
that is wonderful for anyone who's like even remotely sober curious or not even sober curious, but like health conscious, it's really Mm -hmm. beneficial. Um, so definitely check that out. I haven't listened to it, but I plan on it. And I second that he's very non-judgmental and very non-biased whenever he presents anything. He's like, I don't do this, but if you do, that's fine. But here are the facts and here's the research that's out there. So it's nice because it doesn't make you feel like, oh, you're a bad person if you're having a glass of wine every night. Like he Mm -hmm. doesn't make you feel that way at all. But that is something I am because I've been in my little thunk lately. After my birthday, I'm taking a break from drinking and I'm going to do like a little whole 30 action to like reset everything just because I feel like maybe that's a part of it. So mm-hmm. it is, um, I'm excited to listen to that and like get me in the right headspace for like taking a break from drink. I don't really have like a timeline for the break from drinking, but, um, probably at least a month, maybe like six weeks or something. I don't know, maybe more. We'll see, but we'll yeah, see. that's fun. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely listen because it's so good and it will be inspiring for that. Um, I, this morning I was like, oh, I got to go to Starbucks and get my little treat. And Kai was like, oh, your treat of the week that you have every day. And I was like, fuck off. (laughs) They they can be daily treats. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I, Sean makes fun of me too. We actually went to the gas station on Sunday for him to get gas. And then he walked out of the store with a Ben and Jerry's and he was like, my little treat. (laughs) Shut up. But also, like, yes, tree lifestyle. Yeah. I feel like it does, like, it has given people permission, like, whether they like it or not. People are like, "Mm, little tree. And, like, more and more people are just, like, getting themselves little treats, which is wonderful. That's our main goal. Um, Cool. So I'm super excited for this episode. We actually had a a listener request this a while ago. um, And I was just going back through DMs and, like, re-found it and was like, oh, my God. Conveniently, we also have this planned anyway, but I'm super excited for her to hear it. And we are going to talk about how to choose a therapist and how to get into therapy. Um, I think this is a very important topic. I am like so pro-therapy and I've been going to therapy on and off for different reasons basically since I was like 10 So I have a lot of experience choosing therapists, going to therapists. I've had things not work and things work out. And I'm just going to give a pretty like good guide to when you're approaching the self-help world, therapy world, how you can kind of decipher all the different things that are happening, what all the things mean and like what considerations you need to go into to best set yourself up to like stick with a therapist because everyone knows like the most intimidating part of therapy is like therapist dating and I think it's like kind of the worst part when people like stop therapy I feel like it's because their one therapist wasn't working and they like couldn't get into a groove with another one or didn't want to find another one so like finding a good therapist is definitely one of the biggest parts that like will set you up for success on your therapy journey. Yeah, and this is going to be good inspo for me because I've been out of therapy for like (laughs) nine months now and I'm like in a little funk, so I should get back into it. Now is the time. But also, you know, what sucks is that if you are depressed or like really anxious or going through it mentally, like it's so – they make it so hard (laughs) that it's like just a little too high of a barrier to entry. Like when we talked about on our episode with Jackie and 
talking about her like inpatient treatment and how hard her application was. She's like, dude, I'm literally barely getting out of bed in the morning. How am I supposed to fill out this 20 page application on how bad my mental health is? Like, yeah, like that's how bad that it it's is. bad. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. The barrier to entry is really stressful, especially right now. I will say, like, therapists are fucking busy and like the world is stressed and so i think a lot more people are going to therapy and i'm not gonna high horse anyone because i too was out of therapy for like 10 months until two weeks ago so (laughs) this is once again i had the therapist day and this time i think i really did like i held myself to a very high standard and expectation and i really thought through all of these things which is why i feel extra prepared to like have this conversation because i feel like i just went through this exercise right now um so yeah it will be good mm-hmm. inspo for you because i do feel like i'm like oh I'm, i wish i did these things before and i really did them this time so the first thing i'm going to go over that's just kind of like very entry level therapy talk is what the different types of therapists are because i don't think everyone knows that um So I'm just going to go over four today. So psychiatrist, psychologist, licensed mental health counselor, and a clinical social worker are kind of the four that you'll see most frequently. So at the top of the list, a psychiatrist has their PhD and has gone to med school, and they can prescribe you medication. So I have had psychiatrists who also did talk therapy, and I like did sessions with them, and then they would also do medication management. And there are totally psychiatrists who do that. It is really hard to find right now. I will say I did. I was looking for that and could not find one. Um, A lot of them will say on their websites, like, just doing medication management right now. Like, I don't have the bandwidth to take on a full other client. Some psychiatrists, like, if you go to a – if you go to a hospital network, they will kind of be, like – in and out, like, oh, you have ADHD, this is what worked for you, like, move on, like, 30-minute session, whatever, really quick. So if you are looking into medication, like, definitely think through how you want to approach that. A psychologist has a PhD in psychology but didn't go to med school, so they're kind of, like, the top expertise level of, um, like, therapists. So they're, they can't prescribe you anything, but, like, they have the most expertise through education um, of any of the therapists. And I strongly recommend looking for psychologists. Um, But again, I think like education matters to some extent. Also experience is very important. So you can find like someone that balances out their lower education. They all have like graduate degrees. So they're more highly educated than I am, (laughs) but they're like comparative to the other ones lower education that they can, you know, compensate for through like years and years of expertise and just practice. So that's another thing you can look for. Um, And then a licensed mental health counselor is a therapist, like most of them are this, and they just have their master's. And then a clinical social worker, um, they, I think they have their master's, they definitely have a graduate degree. I don't think it's as much schooling as a licensed mental health counselor, um, but they do a lot more than just talk therapy. They also can do like case management. They do a lot of mental health evaluation. They help with like family support because a lot of times they're working in like underprivileged communities. Um, They can help with like hospitalization plans and if a client is leaving a hospitalization and needs to like reassimilate into the outside world, they often help with that. So they're kind of more like boots on the ground, like working through processes, then like you just go up and you get like show up for an hour and then leave and see them next week. 
So those are like the four that you'll see. And sometimes like clinical social workers will do therapy alongside their social work because unfortunately um, therapists like clinical social work is not the highest paying of the options. And so they will like balance out their pay through actual therapy with like upper class communities so that they can charge a lot more. Um, so mm-hmm. that being said, you may see social workers like in your echelon of options. So I think that's good to know. It like took me a really long time to figure out all of those. And honestly, this time was the first time I really like thought through what type of therapist I really wanted. And I think the biggest thing to understand is like how extensive is your understanding of these issues? And so for me, I've gone to like years and years of therapy. I'm kind of like hyper fixated on my mental health. I've read tons of books. I've like studied it on my own free time. Like I don't have any sort of formal schooling in it, but I do have a pretty high level of knowledge compared to like your normal, like basic person. So I expect at least like a master's and a lot of experience or a PhD. So my therapist right now actually is a master's with a ton of experience. Um, But in previous times, I've like only filtered by PhD. So important thing to think about. Yeah, I think you'll find that social workers tend to be like through government funded programs. So if you um, can't, if you don't have health insurance, or maybe if you can't afford therapy, then there are like a lot of government programs that you can find like social workers to help you through, which is also mm-hmm. why they're like not paid as well, just because they're working for the government, Yeah, um, which tends to not pay very well <laughs> for some reason. And um, I do agree that like experience can offset the master's versus PhD conversation. And honestly, that's an important thing to note just because like there are less like psychologists out there than there are people like therapists with masters. So that does help if you're struggling in your search, if you're only looking for someone who with this, with like a doctorate, which is what I'm doing right now, which is very limiting, then uh, to expand your search in that way could be really helpful. Yeah. So, and like to each their own. I mean, you don't need to like, there are good therapists at every level too. It's just like, and so much of that of it is also about like chemistry with mm-hmm. therapists. So, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is like very, and we'll get into like my kind of considerations as I was thinking through. But I think like the masters versus PhD conversation is like a probably should be like at the lowest because I do think there's a lot of other considerations that can cancel out or change the dynamic. Like for example, I've had therapists with PhDs who are in their first year out of like getting their PhD program. And so they weren't necessarily as good or as experienced as like my current therapist who's been practicing for 30 years in my age group. And so it's like, she has 30 years of like field experience, which has its own set of benefits. Um, So yeah, agree. And then A couple, like, keywords that you'll see when you're searching, just to get through them, there's, like, only five, is cognitive behavioral therapy is basically you work through, like, through worksheets and homework and, like, actual kind of tactical assignments, changing your negative thought patterns and behaviors, but, like, focusing on thoughts. Um, And then dialectical behavioral therapy is the same thing as CBT, but it also includes skill building for like mindfulness, distress tolerance, emotional regulation, interpersonal relationships. So it's like a bit more holistic than just like your own thoughts and feelings. 
And then um, psychodynamic focuses on like your unconscious thoughts and feelings and trying to get to like the things that you don't really know are there. Um, And all three of these are forms of talk therapy. So you'll see them say like talk therapy. But I do think it's important to note that if someone like specializes in CBT or DBT, they're probably going to be focused on like activities worksheets, homework, more than just like free talking sessions. So like once we get into considerations, we can talk through those, but important to note. Um, I think that's like something that you'll run into. And I, again, didn't know any of these things until I like had to research them. So now mm-hmm. we can talk about considerations, which I think will be more of a like fun conversation for me and Autumn. But there's like a, a lot of different considerations. So when I was looking for this therapist, like I said, like originally I was filtering by PhD. Literally, there are none in my area that are taking patients. And so I brought in my search to like certain level of expertise with a master's degree. Um, and I also wanted a woman. And I do think gender really comes into play here. And I think you should think through how honestly how much your relationship with the different genders in your life is like what you're going to be focusing on because I didn't think that having a male therapist would be an issue for me I really thought it might be beneficial to like hear a different perspective have another side of the story but when it got really down to it and I had to start really working through trauma related to men who doesn't have trauma related to men <laughs> I was like I I'm putting up walls like I can't be fully open about this and so that's kind of when I realized like okay I need to find a woman and I also think age does matter beyond experience like I realize that when I talk to young women I am very comfortable but because of that I'm also like it's pretty com- it feels like a coffee chat but I do have the barrier of like you are up here are you judging me like I'm aware of their perception of me more more so than when I'm talking to like an older woman who's like outside of my peer group um, or feels like they're outside of my peer group. So age definitely comes into consideration. Autumn, I know like your last therapist that you really love was a man. And so like gender, again, like it is very personal of a preference. Yeah, I think I thought that I was someone who never wanted a male therapist and I never considered to me that you that I would even have a male therapist, but my therapist at USC, who I loved so much, but I couldn't see her because she was only working at USC and not accepting new clients that weren't students, um, she recommended me two therapists. One was a woman, one was a man, but the male therapist answered my call first, and he <laughs> did like an hour long, <laughs> and he did an hour long intro session, and in that hour long intro session knew more about my family dynamics and like explained more about why I am the way that I am than any of the other ones I'd had in my search. And I was like in that set in the, uh, I'm stuttering in that phone call. I realized like, Oh wow. Like I click with him. He makes me feel understood. And I think it could be a good thing to maybe have that like barrier. Like you were saying, like where there's not full, like we're not friends. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I struggled with uh, seeing younger female therapists was that I felt like it was too casual in a way that we're like girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And that's – you don't like – yeah, that's nice if you feel comfortable with your therapist, but also 
I think it gets to a point where I've had many friends do this who their therapist just like yes man them because mm -hmm. they are literally friends except like they don't hang out, but they have that relationship where it's like, yeah, I don't know. You're not like analyzing your behavior or like calling you out on your shit because they do like you develop a connection with your therapist, which is great. But I think it's important to like have that barrier of like you are helping me work through something like this is not a friendship. Like a little bit more objective. Know, as much as you want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my USC therapist. I wanted her to be – I connected with her so well and I loved working with her. And I remember I looked her up on Facebook and she blocked me on everything. And I was like, that hurts my feelings. But that's just her being professional. Like a lot of therapists mm -hmm. will block you on things. And I don't know. That was like – I was surprised by that and I was thrown off by that. But then thinking about it more, I'm like, honestly, I respect that because that means that she's not looking me up and she's not looking what I'm doing in my personal life and like doesn't want me to have any preconceived notions about her based off of like yeah. her online presence, which I think is important. Like if your therapist wants to like go to the bar and drink a ton with their friends, like cool, but that might change the way if you see a video of your therapist hammered, it might change the way that like totally. you work together, you know? Yeah. So I think that boundary is also important, even though we're talking about gender, but I think that's part of it is like the professional boundary. Well, and it's like, what if you went and saw that you had mutual friends and like, she's obviously going to be very professional, but then you're always going to be thinking like, how do you know that person? Like, or I don't like that person. Why are you friends with that person on Facebook? Like there's so many things. I think uh, some mm -hmm. level of healthy distance is very important. But I will say that, like, we can get into my next consideration, which is your goal and your expectation of therapy and, like, really thinking through what you want out of it. So for me, like, I want someone who's going to challenge me to think differently because I already think about all these things a lot. And I've kind of built – like, I'm doing uh, CBT right now. And I've built thought patterns around the information that I have researched myself – which is great, except I have my own bias, obviously, involved in those thought patterns. And so I've been like, I almost use data to substantiate my negative thought patterns. And so she's helping me work through those things and be like, yes, this is like the science behind these things, but it isn't necessarily the like main, um, the main like cause or whatever, or it doesn't play into it that way. So that's really important. And I think if you're someone who doesn't want to be challenged as much, then having a therapist who you're more comfortable with, who you just feel like, like if you struggle with opening up, obviously Autumn and I have a podcast. We do not struggle <laughs> with opening up, <laughs> neither one of us. So if you're someone who does struggle with opening up, then you might want someone who feels much more like a friend and feels like they're in your peer group and feels like, because getting to the point of opening up is a lot more important than like, the next steps. I think you can tackle those when you get there. Um, so yeah, I think understanding like your expectation, like I was like, I want to feel slightly uncomfortable in my therapy sessions because if I'm not, then I don't feel like I'm making any progress at all. Um, mm -hmm. so that's like a big one. And then goals, I think thinking through like, what does success look like to you? And also what does success look like to your therapist? Like, do they think that you coming in once a week for the rest of your life is still successful? Because that might be what you want. And some therapists might be like, I want you to come in for three months, us to get the root of your problems and like move on to the next patient, which is normal. Like there are totally therapists that feel that way. So I do think like having the same expectations of like, okay, 
what type of like like how difficult do we want this to be and is there an end goal or is this just like I need someone to come to every week to vent which I think either there's no right answer like it's Mm -hmm. very much what you want you just have to think through those things that's also something that you can bring up like after a couple sessions with your therapist maybe like after they have a kind of a feel on your history and what I don't know what your problems are I guess because like I had that conversation with my therapist. I was like, am I going to be like this for the rest of my life? Or like, what do you think is going to happen? And he was like, I think that with like sessions every week, you can get to a point where um, where you don't have these intrusive, obsessive anxieties and thoughts all the time. But, you know, if you get to a place where your coping techniques aren't as good or like something in your life is weighing you down and you start to slip into more like negative thought patterns that you might need to rely on therapy more. But he's like, Mm -hmm. we can work to a place where you might not have any anxiety for periods of time. But then depending on what's externally going on, like you might fall into a cycle of a certain more anxious period. And so, yeah, I totally agree that it depends what what is your goal? Because, yeah, not every therapist wants to work with you for a week, for once a week, for the rest of whenever, you know? So I think yeah. that is an important thing to bring up. Like, this is what I want. I don't – and also it's important, like, if you want them to challenge you and they're not doing that, after, like, one or two or three sessions before giving up on them, you could be like, hey, I want this from you because uh, – I don't want to just like come and vent and have a sounding board. Like I want to work through this. And um, yeah, I think it's important to give them a chance to work through like whatever specific needs you need before completely bailing on a new therapist too. Oh yeah. And I think like that's a big thing that I do think people do is they almost, if you are hesitant to go to therapy or you have had any sort of negative experience for therapy, your little pea brain is going to think this has to fail because like it can't be my fault. And you're going to kind of set yourself up for failure. So I do think a lot of people end up leaving or like giving up on their first or second session. They're like, I don't fucking like this person. Like, and I like maybe you're right, but I do think that a period of time needs to pass because therapy in itself is uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to feel discomfort in your first few sessions and you're going to blame that on the therapist, but it's not the therapist. It's the setting and the new situation and all of these things. So one thing that my therapist did that I really loved that actually made me feel like confident that I wanted to move forward with her after just one session was that she was like, let's book six sessions over six weeks. And in six weeks, we can stop and have this same conversation all over again and then move forward from there in whatever sort of increment we feel comfortable with. So I loved that because it gives me in six weeks, I know that we both are kind of interviewing each other for six straight mm-hmm. weeks and I get to have all this experience and I who am afraid of confrontation I'm gonna have a very clear opportunity to bring up any issues that I have if I don't feel like this is the right person for me it'll be a like easy split and I can just move on she can move on like it's makes it very clear so I think if your therapist doesn't bring that up then and that feels like something that would be really great for you you could request hey, I want to book six weeks and then I want to talk about this in six weeks or eight weeks or three months or whatever it is. And, or I want to do quarterly check-ins like forever. Um, so I think 
that was something that I really loved that she did that you can expect and like hold your therapist to that standard moving forward because now you know. Mm-hmm. I agree. I love that your therapist did that. And in my search, I'm going to, if they don't bring it up, request that. Cause I think that's a really like awesome. My last, I was dating a, a therapist and I had like three sessions with her and I gave up because I didn't feel like we connected. But if she would have suggested that, maybe I would have held on a little longer so we could have that feedback session. But I was like, I don't know what to say to you or how to bring this up. So I'm done. On that yeah. note, I think a good rule of thumb is to give a therapist like four sessions before you mm-hmm. give up on them because it takes a minute to like see, you know, to kind of gauge each other's personalities especially if you're doing like a zoom therapy it can impact the way you guys are communicating because they can't read body language as well over there over zoom therapy so i think at least four sessions even though i just said i gave up at three so like whatever i'm human but that's my recommendation (laughs) is for (laughs) yeah no i totally agree and i think that gives you time to get to know the person and feel feel comfortable with the human that you're talking to and like evaluate Mm -hmm. the person themselves um So I think another thing – one other thing to consider is, like, some therapists do homework and some don't. So that's, like, a very easy, like, yes or no. And some of them will do either. But, like, I want – like I said, I want someone to challenge me. I want, like, to actively be working through these things and to feel like I'm actively working through these things. And, like, homework and shit like that helps me feel that way. So that was a request for me. Um, And also, Jackie actually talked about this on her episode. I think it's very important if you have, like, a niche – need like if you are recovering from an eating disorder or if you are recovering from like a very specific trauma or if you have OCD or um like you know suicidal most of them can handle like depression and suicidal ideation but I think like there's a few specific needs that people might be going to therapy for and I think it's important to like prioritize your therapist's expertise in that area over other things because all of them will have like general experience or say that they have general experience and ability to like help you with these situations but I think if it's something like that and if you do have OCD go listen to the Jackie's episode because it was so good but I think it's very important to niche down on like a few key issues for me it's like I have the whole 360 of random things that I want to like it's like I want to talk about work and my relationship and my future and my depression and my anxiety and my stupid dogs and like I literally just want to like be able to go anywhere with the conversation and they all will be able to do that but I didn't need to specialize in one thing and so Mm -hmm. if you do need extra support for something like that definitely recommend like finding someone who focuses on that. And yeah, I agree. And you can even make that clear. Like a lot of times they rec- they make you write like a what you're looking for. And a good therapist, if you request that you want help with that specific thing, if that's not their expertise, like I would expect a good therapist to tell you like, well, I would love to help you. I don't specialize in X, Y, Z, but I know this therapist in my area does. You should mm-hmm. reach out to them. Like I've had that happen before. And uh, so if I think it's good to like confirm that they're comfortable with helping you with that because not every therapist is good at helping with everything. I mean, I loved how yeah. your last therapist, when you guys got to that point where he was like, I can't help you anymore. Like, I don't think that 
a male therapist is best for you. Like, I think that is how you know he's a good therapist because he realized he couldn't help you. And I think some people who struggle with like abandonment issues might struggle with a therapist telling them like, I can't help you. But Mm -hmm. I think that just means that that's a really good therapist who's looking out for you because they know that they're not the right person for you. So, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the good thing about the therapist climate right now of all of them being booked and busy, which we love for all of them, (laughs) is that like they don't need clients like they are going to be picky the same way that you are going to be picky. And so you definitely can feel like they if you put that out there, they're going to not want to filter people out, but like, it's like, oh no, I don't need to take on this patient because I'm not going to be the best option for them. And I'm busy anyway. Like I don't, I'm not like desperate for work. Cause that's not what you want your therapist to have you as like, oh, you need the money. Like I got to help you. Cause I like need the cash. And you're like, no, that's like not what this energy is. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely like, um, clarify and set your expectations because it'll be beneficial for everyone. And then the last thing that I think is so important to think through is the setting that you're in. And there's like a couple different things that play into this. One of them is your commute. And I think both, you could want both things out of your commute. Like you might be someone who's like, oh, I actually would really like a 20 minute commute because I want to be able to like prep myself on my way there and prep my like decompress on the way back. Or, you know, I want like to go to this specific town because it's a really like peaceful drive. And I think that's like almost meditative on my way. Or if you're like me, you're like, I need the least amount of obstacles between me and a task as humanly possible. So I don't just make excuses and give up on things. So my therapist lives seven minutes or works seven minutes from my house. And I like need it to be that way because I will just flake out on therapy. Um, So like length and stress level of your commute, think through those things. And then um, office location, like I think another thing you can think through is like, is it on a busy road? Is it going to be really loud? Are there going to be a lot of distractions? Because if you're like me, you're easily distracted. Um, Is it quiet? Another one is, is it close to home or are you going to run into people you know and does the thought of that stress you out? Like we're thinking, I don't really care. Like I ran into someone I knew and I was like, I'm going to therapy. Once again, I'm an overshare. You might not be as comfortable with that. So like that's definitely something to think about. Um, and then like also the office itself. Like do you feel comfortable? Is it warm? Is Does it fit your needs of like you're – like I said, you're going to be uncomfortable in the beginning. But like objectively looking at the room, like will I feel comfortable here eventually <laughs> is kind of the key. Yeah, I think that also – um, talking about like Zoom therapy versus in-person therapy because yes. I've done both and I think there's pros and cons to both. I think that being in-person therapy can be more intensive just because like the energy of the room and your therapist can read you a lot better. So it might you might like get work through things faster. But on the other hand, you might feel so uncomfortable that you don't want to share in the therapist's office. So maybe you're someone who wants to be nestled in your bed, like under the covers when you're sharing these like scary thoughts. And the cool thing about Zoom therapy is that you could do camera off if that made you feel more comfortable to share. But like Jordan, I said, we're over sharers. So like I'm cool on the couch in my room and the therapist's <laughs> office. I'll share. I have a PowerPoint on my trauma and I'll give it to you all right now. <laughs> Like, but I think some people who are new to therapy or 
closed off in general, like have the option of being on the phone and not having to deal with seeing your therapist react to what you're saying. Like, I think that can be, get people in their heads a lot of the time too. Like they made a face, did they not make a face? Like, how are they listening to me? And if you just, if you're so in your head, sometimes the option of zoom therapy or phone therapy is relieving because you don't have to think about anything but you and you can just lay in your bed. But also on the other hand, like it, it is nice to be able like, I'm going to the office for this therapy. And like, every time I go to this room, I know it's time to like open up emotionally and you condition your body to do that. So if you're going to do therapy at home over zoom, I would recommend that you still do it in the same room or area or like Mm -hmm. seating area just so you can like condition your body to know when I'm in this space I am like comfortable and safe and it's time to share and like discuss things that bother me yeah and I think also like for me I had to be in the office because I live with my family and my boyfriend and like the dogs and it just would have been like I said so distracting that Mm -hmm. I would never be able to like get in a flow state with my therapist That being said, I also wanted someone who accommodates online sessions because we live in a weird world. There might be times where I'm gone for like extended periods of time and I want to be able to continue my therapy instead of travel, meaning like I'm taking a full break from therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's another thing to think is like in person in the office or are they flexible? Are they like able to accommodate all of the options? And yeah, for sure definitely think through that um i think like if you live in a studio or you have a private bedroom that can like zoom can be much more effective i think in groups like situ housing situations it can be a little bit more stressful and less effective because you kind of have to think through like where can i find a quiet space but lots of pros and cons again it's just like the type of person you are So the last thing I'm going to go over um, is, I think, very, very important, which is therapy is fucking expensive and not everyone can access it. Um, So I'm going to quickly go over some like cheaper options or like more affordable universal options out there. And I will also say when you're thinking through your filters, obviously price is a big one. Like what can you pay? Therapy can range from like 75 bucks a session to like $500 a session. And so definitely like think your price range, um, think about what you can expect. And also obviously check your insurance, call your insurance. If you can't figure it out, like it's definitely worth figuring out what they cover for you. My work covers, I think six free sessions on top of my insurance. So like I get six, which I'm actually not using because I'd rather hit my deductible and get them free longer than the six sessions, but up to you and like definitely look into your benefits, your insurance. There's definitely cheap options that way. But if all of that still doesn't work and you need um, a cheaper option, a couple things. So if you're in a current crisis, there's obviously the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 800-273-8255. I also learned that there's a crisis text line. And you can text HOME to 741-741, and they will help you out via text, which is cool. Also, if you are a part of an organized religion, a lot of times the, like, religious leaders will offer some form of support therapy um, at free for the most part. So I used to go to church when I was younger. I know um, 
my youth pastor, who I'm still very close with now, we're like very close family friends with them. She's a youth pastor and now a full pastor at the church. She offers like therapy counseling sessions. She also does premarital counseling with um, all of the couples that she marries. Like she just married my sister and Hunter and they did like 12 weeks of premarital like planning sessions. So they usually have experience in that space, um, which is cool and like a great resource. School counseling, if you're a student, definitely look into that. Definitely. I've heard very mixed reviews. Obviously, it's going to be different from school to school. Um, but again, usually cheaper. Um, also, I learned this one. You can call 211 to get like a person who tells you all your local resources, which is really cool. So you'll basically get to like a, I don't know, like they'll just like run through all of the different options you have in the area. So that's how you can get specific locally. Um, and then support groups, there's usually free support groups for any category. So again, if this is like a specialized topic and you need help with, I mean, there's literally support groups for everything. So I'm sure you can find anything, but like if you're looking for eating disorder support groups, like OCD, like those kind of more specific needs, definitely look into support groups as a free option. Even if you're like doing therapy, support groups are a great way to get people from the community make connections, not feel so alone um, on top of that. So a lot of hospitals will kind of host support groups, obviously like AA, like there's a lot of sobriety support groups. Um, and AA I think has like different tiers for other things. So you could go to their website and check out what they have. So that's a good one. And then another one, autumn meditation is a huge one and can be very beneficial for your mental health. And I will say that I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's woo woo, like stupid. One of the biggest things that I breakthroughs that I have had through therapy is becoming an observer of my own thoughts and not being defined by the thoughts that I'm having. And like that was very specifically beneficial when I was coping with suicidal thinking. It's like I have gotten to a point where if I do have those thoughts, I recognize that that's not I don't have to identify with that or attach to it or especially not act on it. And so, you know, that's like a very key thing that you can get to. And meditation, the entire point is to become an observer of your thoughts rather than being defined by your thoughts. So that's a big one. And journaling is the other one um, that kind of plays into that same category that's very beneficial in that way. Yeah, I think another resource I need I think it's called Open Path or Open Path Collective. It's a website and it's basically my therapist recommended this to me when um when he outpriced me of our work. <laughs> and he said this is full of experienced therapists who um want to offer services to a lower for a lower price range because they basically have been working for so long like they don't need it. He's like I have to pay off student loans, so I can't afford to charge you the price that you can afford to pay me. And so yeah. he's like, but if you find a therapist who's in their fifties or sixties, like they can afford to charge a lower rate. And so you don't even need to have insurance for this. They will charge a flat, like 30 to $60 a session rate, uh, yeah. without insurance. And then they also offer, you can like get your insurance on top of that. The one tricky thing is that a lot of these therapists only hold a certain amount of spots in their practice for, this website. So like you can reach out and they might be like, Oh, sorry, I'm not accepting any open path collective clients right now, but I'll reach out to you when I am. So like that can be a limitation, mm -hmm. but it is more affordable and it is, uh, experienced therapists. So 
I think that's a really good resource too. And yeah, I and also, and I want to also say that the suicide hotline, um, it doesn't, it's not just if you're suicidal, like you could also just call for someone to talk to a lot of the people who work for them. They're volunteers who are trying to get into grad school or currently working their way through grad school. I am someone who wants to go to grad school for my, um, PhD in psychology. And so this was something that I was going to start doing when I was prepping to get in is like working at a suicide hotline center. So, um, there are people who are literally just there to like, listen to whatever you have to say. It's not necessarily have to be if you are suicidal. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think it's like crisis specific. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't set up like weekly sessions through the suicide (laughs) hotline. (laughs) But yes, if you need someone to talk to totally they're there. And on that same point, another good option is looking into grad schools or teaching schools because they have students who are in school who usually offer their services for cheaper. Um, And then therapy apps and like online services tend to be cheaper. And there's also sliding scale clinics. So I think that's what your therapist was before he stopped doing that, um, where they'll like, I don't know, do they check your salary and like give you a price range or do you just say, this is what I can pay? (laughs) It's like honors based, I guess. If you Mm -hmm. like, no, no one's ever asked me for like proof of my income, but I would be like, I can't afford that. And then they're like, okay, well, I have a sliding scale practice, so um, a lot of them, though, I don't know how it works because they say a sliding scale from 30 to 80. And I'm like, well, what's how do you decide me in the range? Because no one's asking for my salary. I don't really know how it works. But I think it's more like I can't afford that. Here's what I can't afford. And yeah, I think with sliding scale practices, it's, it's similar to Open Bath Collective where like there's only a certain amount of spots in there like, for sliding scales clients. So like my old therapist – before I saw him, he was like, oh, I don't have any sliding scale like openings. And then a week later, he's like, actually, my one of my clients just stopped, is not going to see me anymore, so I do have room for you. So I think that's important to note as well. Yeah. And then the last one um, is books and workbooks. There's like obviously a lot of ways you can just work through it by reading. My number one book recommendation, if you're therapy curious, uh, is maybe you should talk to someone. It's so freaking good. It's like, it's literally just like a good book, but it's a really great introduction to therapy and all that it can do for you. So highly recommend that. Um, and yeah, that's my notes on therapy. I think I am so pro therapy. Oh, and to Autumn's point, do not get discouraged because I literally emailed maybe 60 people before I got a response from my therapist. So it is a very hard kind of process right now, but keep up with it because it's worth it. And like you literally can just copy and paste the same email and send it to Mm -hmm. as many emails as you can get. Oh, and um, go to psychologytoday.com to find therapists. They have a wonderful like filtering system. They also have a video profile system that I used last time that was also very helpful. But yeah, that is all my notes. I do think one last note, when you are inquiring with these therapists, you're more likely to get a response if you type out an email instead of if you're on psychology today, it gives you an option to like put in a little comment section. If you don't fill it out, they're less likely to respond to you because they want to know what you're looking for and they want to know if they can help you. And if you don't say anything, they don't know if they can help you. And it doesn't look like it's a priority to you if you're not even like filling in the comment section. So I think, um, that's a good way if you haven't been getting responses to like make sure you are typing something in what you're looking for. Even if you're going to a specific therapist website and you're not on psychology today, I think that's always a good thing to be doing. And um, 
I mean, we could do more and more episodes on this. It is so hard to find a therapist and there are so, like, it's so confusing. It's not as easy as it should be. And it's hard to make sure you like have a good chemistry with a therapist. All these things are challenging. So, um, so I hope this helps. Godspeed. Yeah. So good (laughs) luck. And I'm going to restart my search this week. So I yeah. can we can give updates on my therapist search. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm not at my six weeks, so I'll let you guys know how our six week conversation goes. It's so funny, like a quarterly development conversation with your therapist. Like it Literally. makes sense, but like you just never hear about it, you know? No. It's genius. But yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um cool. Well, good luck everyone. I hope everyone gets into <laughs> therapy because it's my favorite thing in the world. Oh, I was gonna say Maybe there's a shortage of therapists because we're so good at destigmatizing mental health problems that everyone's going to therapy now. It's us. We are it's, we are the revolution. <laughs> it's our pod. I was meaning our generation, but more specifically, it's our podcast. This this podcast. <laughs> yes, go to therapy. We fucking love therapy. Okay, well, thanks. Bye bye. Thanks. <laughs>